I did so much and I had so many opportunities and I was just always like, oh, got to hustle, got to hustle. And I think that comes from like our society and how like you've got to work really, really hard. And then later you can enjoy life and have fun when you retire kind of idea. And as entrepreneurs, we kind of reject that idea. And so I realized this was like the final, maybe the final like part of that that I was rejecting. We became entrepreneurs because more than anything, we wanted freedom. We wanted to be in control of our own schedule, income, and life. But unfortunately, that isn't always the reality of being a business owner. I'm Gillian Perkins, and I'm on a mission to take back entrepreneurship for what it's supposed to be. In every episode, I'll share with you how to get the most out of every hour you work so that you can work less and earn more. Let's get to it. Over the past few episodes of the podcast, I've shared with you the idea of working less while earning more, and I've given you a little bit of the behind the scenes of how I do this in my own business. But I don't want you to think that I'm the only entrepreneur who runs my business this way. I want you to know that there are many other entrepreneurs out there who are running successful, profitable businesses in far less than 40 hours a week. So today I'm bringing on a friend of mine named Lila Higgins as a guest on the show to share with you a little bit about how she runs her business. Lila is a brand designer and the co-founder of The Forge, which is a leadership training community for faith-driven business owners. Lila is a leader herself in the online business space and a very talented brand designer with a fine art background. She works with her clients and students to brand cohesively and effectively across many platforms, bringing them the confidence they need to become industry leaders. Now, the reason that I really wanted to share Lila with you today is because Lila has a bit of a juggle on her plate. She's a mom to two little kids. She is running her membership community, and she is also working with one-on-one clients. So she definitely needs to save time wherever she she can, especially considering that she's recently decided to make fun a bigger priority in her life. And that's exactly what I'm talking to her about today, how she's incorporating more fun in her life and how she is strategically shifting her business in order to make that possible. Midway through the episode, make sure you listen in for when I ask Lila about why she chooses to work for herself. I think that her answer is really insightful. It's a reason that I hadn't personally really thought about as one of the main driving forces in my business, but I think it's a great alternative to thinking purely about income or other numerical type reasons why we run our own businesses. So make sure you don't miss that part of the interview. All right. With that being said, allow me to introduce to you Lila Higgins. Hey there, Lila. Welcome to the Work Less, Earn More podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thanks, Gillian. I'm very excited to be here and honored to be one of your first guests. Yes. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this with me. So the very first thing I wanted to talk to you about was something that I read on your Instagram recently where you said, I'm learning that I put way too many expectations on myself in the first decade of adulthood, and I want to spend the next decade enjoying life a lot more. 
So my question for you here is, this is something I can really relate to as an ambitious person in general, and specifically as an Enneagram type three, you know, I've put a lot of expectations on myself too, especially as I've started my business. And so I'm wondering what you are going to practically do as you're working on enjoying life more. How are you going to shift your business in the next few years so that you can focus on that? Yeah, so I wrote that kind of as a review of the last year and then I looked back over pictures and and I have, you know, two young kids through that decade and we got married and like kind of grew up and did all these things and I realized that there were so many times where I felt like it wasn't enough and I was like that's not okay. Like I did so much and I had so many opportunities and so many different situations I was in and and different, you know, people came into my life and I was just always like, oh, gotta hustle, gotta hustle. And I think that comes from like our society and how like you've got to work really, really hard and then later you can enjoy life and have fun when you retire kind of idea. And mm -hmm. as entrepreneurs, we kind of reject that idea. And so I realized this was like the final, maybe the final, like part of that that I was rejecting by saying like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy my life now. And I'm going to have these moments of like complete and other, utter fulfillment right now. So I think that it kind of stemmed just from my upbringing and, and feeling this need to like perform for what my whatever my expectations were, <laughs> whether or not people put those on me or I put them on myself, which I think I mostly put them on myself. So yeah, I'm gonna try to do, I don't know, I have this concept in my head of like pursuing more fun in my life. Um, and I started a podcast with a friend about it. And I'm like reading more and kind of diving into hobby territory because I've always been the kind of person that turned my hobby into business. Obviously, I was an artist and designer, like I turned that hobby that I grew up with into my full time business. And so I'm trying to do things that are just for me, just for fun, that don't have any ties to like performance or being a better person or like even like making money. So that's kind of what I'm focusing on over the next, I'm hoping decade, at least this year. Um, and it's really slowed me down a lot, which is a new thing for me. That sounds like a really good way to frame it as someone who is more of am an ambitious or goal setting type person to kind of challenge yourself to do things that are completely not work related and to just see how many of those things you can fit in things that are purely fun. Mm -hmm. And that kind of brings us really nicely to my next question, which just comes back to your reason why. I'm curious why you originally decided to start working for yourself and whether that original reason is the same thing that motivates you today or if it's shifted somewhat? Yeah. So I grew up with entrepreneurial parents, but they struggled. It was feast or famine. It was really hard. And I remember telling my mom when I was a teenager that I would never run my own business. And then here I am running my own business. I think I, so I had a job for about 10 months. I worked as an esthetician um, at a massage MB and it was just a job where you just show up, you do the thing, you leave, and then you don't have to think about it. And I, I got bored. Like it was only 10 months and I was like, I never want to work for anyone else again. <laughs> like I want to be able to set my own schedule. I want to be able to exercise, you know, the skills and talents that I have and that I want to pursue. And so I think I, I also had kids super young. So I think that had a kind of an impact on it. I wanted to be able to stay home with them and you can't, there wasn't a whole lot. I mean, even 10 years ago, there wasn't a whole lot of out home work. And so there were a couple different things that really drove it. But I think now, as opposed to then, it was more of like a necessity. Like I like had to stay home. I you know didn't want to be um, 
like under anyone else's like vision. I want to have my own vision. So it was more out of necessity and I needed to make money. So that all kind of just turned into a business. I think now what drives me is like my creative side. So I'm a three wing four and I'm very strongly both. Whenever I take the test, it's always like, well, you're kind of in the middle. So um, I'm very strongly also a four. And so I think that if I don't create, I get like really depressed and it like it's not good for my mental health. And you just don't have that much freedom in a normal job that you can have as a business owner where you really get to exercise your creativity. And, we, you know, like as I've developed as a business owner, I've tried a lot of different ways to sell my art, ways to sell my design. And that's drifted kind of into strategy and brand work. And I've done, you know, like like digital products and customized products and kind of everything a lot across the board. And so it's been not only in just the work I get to do, but in the structure of my business, I've been able to be creative. So I think that's really what drives me now is I can get up each day and decide that I want to totally shift things or that I want to, you know, have an additional thing that I offer or take something down or I can really just be my own boss in all of the senses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like you really want to be your own boss, but very much in the creative sense, like you want to have that flexibility and that freedom to both exercise your art, the artistic side, your artistic skills, right. Mm -hmm. But also exercise that creative freedom in your life and do things how you want to do them. I can really relate to that because I also had a job. It was technically an internship, but It was a job where I had a boss and I was getting paid, right, for a very short period of time, um, maybe about six months. And I ended up practically getting fired. It was kind of an interesting situation where I, like, took a leave of absence and they're like, don't come back. And it was really so much because I was so bored that I was doing a terrible job at it Mm -hmm. because I was so distracted with my own thoughts because I just couldn't even focus on the work I was doing because I was so much in a box. And so... I wouldn't say that I necessarily typically identify with the creative side of it, but at the same in that I'm not artistic, but at the same time, that is such a strong component of it for me as well in the sense of like creating my own schedule and creating my own business offerings and creating obviously all sorts of content for my business. So let's move on and talk about kind of how you are executing that in your business. And so as you are working on creatively running your life and creatively running your business, has there ever been a time where you felt like your business was just kind of taking over, like where your business was taking too much time? And if so, how did that play out? How did you deal with your business taking over your life? Yeah. So in 2016, which was when I first onboarded my husband into our business, I that was our highest year in, in revenue. That was like what you would call the most successful part of our business life so far. And I was exhausted. I was so burned out. I wasn't charging enough. I had too many clients. At one time, I had like 14 clients at one time. And you can have all the great project management software, but if you have that many one-on-one clients who are supposed to be like high-end high attention clients, it's just, it's just going to burn you out. I was constantly on the computer, on the phone, checking things up late, up early. It just didn't work. There was no balance between work and regular life. And so practically to fix that, I took most of that December off. And that really reset things for me 
mentally and physically, but also in my marketing strategy and how I like showed up the next year. So if you're like overworking yourself, my suggestion is to stop (laughs) and just rest. (laughs) In that time leading up to that, as I felt the burnout, I started strategizing like like other products I could sell. So other things that I could do to make money that took less time and wasn't so um, high attention like one-on-one clients were. So I spent that next year developing some you know, brand templates and things that I could sell without much effort. So it really, I think that burnout really caused like a shift in my mindset and how I wanted to show up. And, and I wasn't serving the clients I had then as well as I wanted to. So that also helped me then come back and say, okay, now I'm going to charge more because I want to be able to give these higher end clients like more attention and then put, you know, more effort into the the part time or the like passive stuff. So at this point, you've moved pretty much all the way from that 14 one-on-one client uh, place that you were at to mostly offering one to many products where you're creating some sort of digital product, you're creating something once, selling it to multiple people. You still take on -on one-on-one clients though, right? I do. Yeah. So I can handle about five in like a healthy where I'm really able to get them the attention they want. Um, And then everything else is in our membership or in, yeah, our digital products, that type of thing. And how does it feel differently between the two when you were versus when you were working one-on-one with 14 people versus how it feels now? Um, I spend maybe two hours a day, like four days a week on my business. And then I'll spend some nights here and there on client work if I need to. It's it's way less time. So that's helpful. But it's also way less brain space too, because because it's a lower product, I feel like I don't have to be always on for that client or for that customer. I can give them the thing and it's all set up and automated and they can take what they want from it. And it's not up to me to make sure that they like get the deliverable in the way that they need it to be. There's a lot less pressure to like show up for those lower end customers because it's already a product that's put together and they can just take it. Yeah, that's something that I really love about offering digital products is that it's relatively easy to over deliver for mm-hmm. the price that you can afford to sell it to your customers for because right. you're not selling your time. You're selling something that you put in the time initially to create and now you're able to sell it over and over again. So you can sell it for a really reasonable price and give them far more value than you would have been able to deliver if you were having to give them your time. And so that does end up requiring that you also need to, like you were saying, kind of do less customer service with them or be less hands-on because you've already given them so much. Right. And that makes those smaller products easier to sell too. When we mapped out the Forge, our membership, we really like, we wanted to pack it full of information and pack it full of resources and then make it a price that if they heard all the resources and all the things that came with it, then heard the price, it was like, oh, that's it? Sweet. (laughs) The first time I ever remember having that experience as on the customer side was I was watching a webinar and as we all know, at the end of most webinars, there's some sort of sales pitch and I was kind of bracing myself for this sales pitch. I wasn't not planning to buy this product, especially as the sales pitch started and the person who was hosting the sales pitch started going on about all of the benefits that were included with this product, everything you got access to. And I was I was expecting this product to cost at least $5,000. And while it sounded great, I did not have that kind of money to put up at that time. And I, I didn't want to buy it. And she got to the price. And the price was, I believe, $39 a month. 
And I was so blown away. I bought it right then and there. I probably would have bought it even if it wasn't something I wanted or needed because I was just so impressed by the value. But as it happened, it also was something I wanted and needed. And so ever since then, it's been my goal, um, especially with my program, Startup Society, to deliver that kind of value where on a webinar, I can explain the value and then say the price. And I want people to be shocked by how good the price is. So I really appreciate that. And then adding that on top of like the transformation that your clients get from that specific thing then you can be like look at all the things that this person did because of this awesome product and it's only 35 bucks or 39 bucks or whatever (laughs) exactly yes it feels so good to be able to serve your customers in that way and to be able to do it from a place of rest you know working from a place of rest and not Mm -hmm. feeling overworked by all the clients you're trying to serve and then maybe not being able to show up for them as well as you would like to Right. And again, back to expectations, like they have lower expectations too, because they're not paying you $5,000 or $10,000 for a product. And so we can like, as a, as a provider, I can say, okay, like, I don't need to put all these extra expectations on myself to make this product worth it to them. And that, yeah, that's part of, I think what this restructuring of the business is doing for me and why it's easier to have more fun in my life because I'm not feeling this huge pressure that like I have to really provide an excellent experience for every person that I'm in contact with right now. It just takes the pressure off of me personally. This episode is brought to you by Startup Society. Building an online business can be a difficult and overwhelming process. It can also be lonely. One minute you feel inspired and confident that you'll succeed. And the next, you might wonder if you're even on the right path at all. If your audience is growing slowly, your revenue is small, and you're struggling to make sales, then I'd love to work with you on your strategy so that you can turn your online business into a real success. And that's where Startup Society comes in. Startup Society is an online membership community and training program for digital entrepreneurs. We created the program to provide real strategic business and marketing training to help people just like you build successful, profitable online businesses. As a member of Startup Society, every single month, you'll get access to a detailed step-by-step action plan that will show you exactly what you need to do to grow your business. You'll also attend live virtual coaching sessions with myself, become a member of our supportive mastermind community, and get unlimited access to our archives of past action plans. As a listener of this podcast, you can become a member for just $39 per month when you use coupon code WORKLESSEARNMORE. Again, that coupon is WORKLESSEARNMORE, and it's all one word. Please note that this offer is available for a limited time only. In building a business, there's so much to learn, so much to do, and often so little direction. Let's change that. Join Startup Society today for step-by-step guidance on the most direct way to turn your business idea into a money-making success. Just visit gillianperkins.com and click Join Startup Society in the upper right corner. We can't wait to start working with you. So I would love to keep talking about the fun of how good it is now, but I would, if you don't mind, let's back up for just a moment. I want to go back to that December when you were saying that things were tough and you took some time off. I was just wondering, practically, how did you just take some time off in December? Did you fire your clients? Did you say, hang on for a minute? Uh, How did that work? So some of them... I finished up so the the timing was just kind of nice because I have a certain amount of time with a client. And so a lot of them finished up and then I just didn't book anymore 
from there. And I kept the ones that I had and the ones that I had, I just said, hey, I'm going to be back in January. So just set proper expectations with the ones that stayed around and then booked, like pushed everything out to January. I was able to, you know, get them like, like onboarded and having them doing their intake, but in the next year so that I, I didn't have to think about it until January. That makes sense. You just kind of like cleared the room in your schedule. You finished Mm -hmm. some things that pushed other things to start a little bit later than maybe they normally would have. And then did you do anything in your business at all to kind of substitute the income that you were going to earn in December? Or did you just have a lean month so that you could have some space? We definitely had a lean month. (laughs) Yeah, I had some deposits in for the next year. But yeah, it was mostly just like living on a prayer that month. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's it's good to share that with people and just like acknowledge that that's okay because mm-hmm. mental health is more important than making money. Of course, making money is important, even important for mental health because lack of money can cause a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, sometimes we just need to take a breather and just uh, have faith that everything isn't going to come crashing down around us just because we take a little bit of space for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so let's move on. And uh, you mentioned briefly the amount of time that you're currently working in your business. And it sounded like less than 40 hours a week. Could you kind of get into detail about that? How much do you work on average per week to run your business these days? Yeah, less than 40. So I automate a lot of things. Um, Most of my marketing, I sit down at the beginning of the month and map like the whole month out. So that really, I think social media is what in the past took up a lot of my time. So I was like, I got to get clients. So I got to keep posting. But there's great tools now where you can schedule all of that out ahead of time. And then client work. I mean, it depends on my client load, but I'm usually touching base with a client, with each client for like 10 or 15 minutes a day. If I'm in like a deep design process with them, I'll maybe spend two hours throughout that week. It really differs as far as like week to week. But I think I on average work about 20 hours, but it's like very in the margins. It's like while the kids are eating breakfast, I'll like do a couple things. And then while, you know, like after they go down to bed before like Zach and I sit down to watch a movie, I'll do a couple things. It's very spread out. And I would say probably around 20 hours a week. I should actually track my time at some point to see <laughs> what exactly it looks like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I find that one of the things I like the most about tracking my time, because it's something I do now, but I didn't used to do, is actually that it makes me feel like I'm working less. Mm. Because sometimes it can, even if you're only working 20 hours a week, you can end up feeling like you're working all the time. But when you see the number in black and white on the paper and you see like, oh, I've only put in four hours today, it just kind of like lowers your stress level. So yeah, yeah, I would recommend. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's hard, like as a designer and artist, I will like process client intake while I'm cooking or Mm -hmm. doing laundry or on a hike. And so that doesn't really count as work. But then at the end of the day, I'll feel like I worked all day because my brain's like going. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Yeah. I also love though, how you explained how you're able to run your business while you're also being very present in your life. I think that there's, you know, a big misconception out there that you have to choose between having a career or having kids, or at least between having a career and being a good mother, right? And actually being there for your kids. But when we get into, once you realize that you're, it's possible to run a successful online business in just about 20 hours a week, then you can realize that it's very possible to fit that 20 hours into a lot of like little nooks and crannies of your day. Mm -hmm. Most kids, especially little kids, you know, they take a nap, they sleep a lot more than adults do. And so if you just wake up an hour or two before your kids or stay up an hour or two after they go to bed, then you're going to get half your work done right then. And then if they take a nap in the middle of the day, or if you just sit them down and watch a movie, you know, 
every other day or if they go and play outside, it's so easy to fit in that time, even if you don't sit down and work for a solid half the day or whole day. Yeah. And I think it's easier. It's funny because I thought it was harder when they were little babies. Now my kids are five and seven and it's actually harder because they want more attention and want me around and they know when I'm not actually present when I'm on my phone or if I'm thinking about something and not actually like engaging with them. So it changes, I think, based on the season that you're in with your kids. Yeah, we were talking about that before we got into this actual interview session, how I recently started having a nanny watch my kids for just a couple days a week for a couple hours, because I found that even though my kids are very self-directing and they don't necessarily need constant supervision or to be constantly entertained, they were very aware of the fact that I was away working for those hours and kids don't have the best sense of time. So they just felt, I, I think they felt a little bit neglected during those hours, even though it is only about 20 hours a week. And so bringing in a nanny for just that small amount of time. And of course, I know that that's not something that's possible for everyone. But I've just noticed that my kids are a lot happier now that they have just someone who's giving them a little bit more attention. And specifically, they're not as focused on the fact that I'm not with them for every hour of every day. Right. (laughs) Okay, so let's move into kind of some of my wrap-up questions here. My first one is, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the concept of prime mover um, or if all of our listeners are, but basically the prime mover is just the thing in your business, the task in your business, that the more of it you do, the more income your business makes or the primary thing that moves your business forward. So for a lot of businesses, this is their main marketing effort. Maybe it's running their blog or the hosting their podcast or something like that. Or it could be something like managing their Facebook ads or even managing a word of mouth campaign. And so I was just wondering what your business's prime mover is. I think for my design work, it's sharing more of my design work. I recently did like 100 days of character branding where I just took cartoon characters and gave them logos and kind of brand concepts, just a very basic brand concept. And I did it every day and I made it to like 78 or something and then I kind of gave up (laughs) Um, because it was a lot. But that I was able to show the behind the scenes of how I design logos and that it's not just me on Canva with shapes. It's like me actually drawing and sketching and like content concepting out these ideas. And I think that is the main mover. Whenever I share portfolio work or like what I'm doing for a client or a new website I've put up, that I think is the most effective mover in my business. And I'm, I shy away from that often because I'm like, like, I feel like it's not like, oh, nobody wants to see that. Like they want to know about, you know, my life or my writing or, you know, whatever other part of my business that I have going on. So I'm actually working this year to like integrate more client work into my Instagram and into my like daily marketing plan. So I think that's it. I don't know if that counts, but that's that's Oh yeah, absolutely. I love how clear you are on the specific thing rather than just something like, well, the more I post on Instagram, the more clients I get or something like that. (laughs) It's specifically the more you show off your skill Mm -hmm. that that makes more people want to work with you. And I was actually following along as you were doing the 100 Days of Character Branding. It was a very ambitious project. And I loved seeing, more than anything else, I loved seeing you actually doing the work. Mm -hmm. Because while it's nice to see the finished product, and it always looks nice, when you see the person actually doing the work, you have a much higher respect and regard for their skill. Because Mm -hmm. you see what actually went into it, and you can really tell that you want to 
I myself, I wouldn't have been able to do what you're doing at all. And that if I needed that type of work, you would have been the person to call uh, because you really demonstrated your expertise there. Exactly. Yes. That's what I always recommend to artists or designers or makers or anything. If you're doing something where you're creating something from scratch, like show your process because that's so, that goes so much farther than just telling people that you do the things. Okay. And my second and final wrap-up question for you is, do you have any recommendations for a piece of software or a tool that you use in your business that helps you to run your business more effectively and be able to work less? I feel like I could say Asana, but I feel like that's also your favorite. <laughs> it is one of my favorites, but you can still say it. I haven't mentioned it yet. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I love Asana for content management. And then HoneyBook has also saved my butt a couple times in managing clients and keeping up on inquiries. And I mean, when you get a bunch of inquiries, it's hard to keep track in your email inbox of where everyone is and when the last time was you sent them something. And HoneyBook keeps it all organized and like like timed and kind of functioning in a really professional way. And then you can send like really nice brochures and really nice proposals. And I think there have been times where I've talked to someone and then I send them my brochure and they're kind of like, meh, when they talk to me, but then I send them the brochure and they're like, oh, she's like professional and serious. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I can relate to that on both the client side and the provider side. Back when I was doing more one-on-one work with Mm -hmm. clients, I wasn't using HoneyBook or any other service like that. And I always felt like it was difficult for me to show up professionally and to make sure that I followed up after a consultation call uh, at the right time intervals and sent them the right information. So I can relate to that, the struggle of that. But then on the client side, uh, I work with a lot of different subcontractors. And one of the things that really makes the hiring decision for me is how professionally they follow up after Mm -hmm. I initially talk to them, because it really shows me how professionally they're going to show up later on. And so having a tool like HoneyBook or some other software tool that really makes it easy and a little bit quicker, right, to show up professionally, if you're not having to put so much effort into it every time, Mm -hmm. that's a way that you could book more clients um, without having to invest so much time effort into it. Yep, exactly. Great recommendation. Okay. So thank you, Lila, so much for doing this interview with me today and for being one of our first guests on the Work Less, Earn More podcast. I love everything that you shared with us today. And it was so interesting to see kind of the behind the scenes of your business a little bit and specifically how you are balancing life and being a business owner and continuing to work on improving your business strategy so that you can enjoy your life even more. So before we say goodbye, can you just tell our listeners the best place to connect with you if they want to learn more? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram and my website is Lila Higgins. So there's two H's in there because it's Lila with an H and that's pretty much where I hang out. And you can see like my portfolio work and stuff on my website as well. Okay, awesome. So we'll include links to Lila's Instagram and her website in the show notes for this episode so you can find her there. Thank you again, Lila, and we'll see you again sometime soon. Thanks for having me. And that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Lila Higgins. I know I really enjoyed our conversation and I got a lot out of hearing, especially about her reasons why she chose to become an entrepreneur and continues to pursue it. I found that really inspiring. I also liked hearing just a little bit of the tactical behind the scenes of how she actually runs her business as a brand designer and as the founder of a membership platform while 
She's a mom to her two little kids. If you enjoyed this interview as much as I did, then make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss the future interviews that we have planned with some amazing guests. You can subscribe to the podcast using any podcast app that you prefer. And if you don't already have a podcast app on your phone, then you might consider using Apple Podcasts if you're on an iPhone or Stitcher if you're on Android. Also, if you enjoyed this interview, then consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That will help new listeners find this podcast and it will clue us in on the fact that you enjoyed this episode so we can plan more episodes like it in the future. That's all for now, but thanks so much for listening and I'll be back again next time with another episode.